Good morning and welcome to the Mr. Rowland Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Montrum. It's Monday, November 4th, the day after the Redskins lost to the Bills by, I, I don't know, I'm not keeping track anymore. Here to talk about that, it's the Washington football coach, Bill Callahan, to my indie rock, Bill Callahan. Matt Turrell. Hey, Matt. I don't, I don't even know what that means. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Bill Callahan's a good musician. It's good, it's good like, kind of morose, dad-oriented indie rock. Wow. Well, as a morose dad, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's good stuff. Bill Callahan, start with uh, Too Many Birds. I will do that. I mean, he has to, by almost sheer, like, uh, laws of mathematics, be better than Washington football coach Bill Callahan. Okay, so what's going? What kind of uh, what kind of offense is Bill Callahan running? There, I think I don't think they have a touchdown for over three games, and it doesn't really matter if it's like the veteran quarterback Case Keenum or the rookie Dwayne Haskins. They're not throwing the ball ever. Also, since they run so much, the games are over in like two and a half hours. It, it's pretty wild. I mean, is it possible? that that's the point uh, I realize how stupid that sounds, but is it even remotely possible that everybody involved knows this is a lost season and they're like, look, just do whatever it takes to get everything over with as quickly as possible with as little chance for further injury as possible. And let's get out of here. Cause that's how I feel. Well, it is a decent tactic. If there's a talent gap, you're on the wrong side of it to, you know, shorten the game as few plays as possible. I think that, I think there's some logic there that it increases your odds of winning or at least keeping it close. Well, actually, hang, hang on. Uh, break that out for me because I'm not, I'm not following that at all. Well, let's just say that, you know, team A is better than team B. The more those two teams play or the more plays that are run, the greater the differential would be between the two teams. But, so if you shrink the gap, if you shrink the plays or shrink the, the sample – then the closer the two teams are and, and maybe you, you are, you know, there's the likelihood of you actually winning one increases somewhat. See, I don't, I'm not sure that I feel like that holds with football. Cause I feel like if uh, hypothetically you have the Washington Redskins on one side as currently constituted, and on the other side, you have a team like the Ravens or the chiefs or the Seahawks, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. A, a team that can, score quickly and more or less Mm -hmm. at will it doesn't matter how short the game is you're going to go nine plays and kick a field goal and then they're going to go two plays and score a touchdown and you're going to go 12 plays and punt and they're going to go two plays and score a touchdown like I I don't Patrick Mahomes is going to score at will on this defense you know what I mean well first of all let me just say it does it does not matter it does not seem to be working (laughs) (laughs) the second part is just like I don't know you need somebody who's better is more of a quant than I am you know, there's, there's a, there's, it's more wildly unpredictable. Like what's going to happen in the world series when you've got two more or less evenly matched teams, but it's, it's a small sample. Like anybody sure. could, either team could win when you're all you got to do is win four games versus the slog of the 162 game season where the good teams are going to rise. The bad teams are going to fall and it's much more predictable uh, outcome. Well, I mean, I think it makes sense if, if your team has a, good or better defense like if if you are if you want to lean on your defense then yes this whole thing makes sense but if your defense and again just hypothetically uh is terrible um then it's uh, none of this makes any sense also there's there's a lot of um uh, you know I, i know the process versus 
results is always a big debate. But uh, for everything that is allegedly occasionally working for the Redskins, none of it is actually producing anything. So even the things that are theoretically working aren't actually doing any good. So, yeah. Well, I think the thing now that is annoying to me is that, okay, they're starting Haskins. But it's in this offense that's super run heavy where you're throwing it maybe 20 times. They have 20 passes yesterday, and, and none of them are downfield. And it's not just because you've got the restrictor played on the rookie. It's like that's how they played with the veteran, too. And how do you evaluate that other than negatively? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a way to evaluate it other than negatively, which is why, it's to me, it's even more important to play Haskins because let him get experience, you know, prepping for a game, developing a game day routine, seeing how, just seeing how fast it is, just getting used to all of those things because everything else around him right now is irrelevant uh, and is certainly not designed to maximize his skills. Um, it's, I, I, God, it's, it's unbelievable how unwatchable this team is. Well, it's hard to, you see like what happened with the Redskins yesterday where it's just a few field goals. They had a effective run game, but the pass game is, I don't know, from another era. Uh, and then you see a team like, I don't know, the Chiefs who don't have Mahomes. They're in there with Matt Moore. And Andy Reid is like scheming them up and like play actioning him to success. And they put 30 points on the Vikings in a victory. Like Andy Reid has to go to the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, we're all agreed on this, right? <laughs> well, it, it just sticks in my craw for many reasons. But like one criticism I saw yesterday of the Redskins play calling was that even though they were running the ball effectively, they weren't utilizing play action at all. Like, why wouldn't you take a few shots or at least even not even shots, like just open like 15 yard passes because, you know, thanks to the threat of the run. The thing I remember that, that uh, was interesting about play action, I think it was Kirk Cousins actually, who said it uh, at some point, he said that when you think about play action, you have to remember that you're starting out looking away from where you're going to be throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. So then you have to snap your head around and like make your read incredibly quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you were hypothetically a team who hypothetically was claiming that your quarterback was uh, an abject moron, um, you would be worried about that sort of thing. I guess. I don't know. I mean, Matt Moore was like out of football <laughs> like nine months ago. Matt Moore has, I, I can't emphasize enough what a good coach Andy Reid is uh, and what especially yeah. a good offensive coach. I mean, we could run down the list of like AJ Feely and, and you know, Nick Foles and God knows who all else that were eventually, I'd make guess Foles wasn't under Reed, but you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. they're just guys successful under Reed. Callahan is not only interim is not only like old school. He's also, I don't think a good coach. Like I think he's just a bad coach. Uh, uh, but one point before we get to that though, on the play action and the Kirk cousins anecdote, like, we were running play action with our nine-year-old flag football team. And like the quarterback seems to be doing fine with it, even if he's not looking in the intended direction initially. Uh, I, I, I have hope that Haskins can run an effective play action play. Uh, I would certainly coach, hope so also. I'm just coach, trying to. I am curious yeah. with this prehistoric offense. Is it, is, does Kevin O'Connell get to make any decisions and if so, like, what is he doing? Uh, I don't know, but whatever he's doing, it certainly isn't enough. And it's certainly, there's nothing about this that is making you think he's the guy of the future, is there? Well, right. That's, I mean, that's the only reason I ask, like, kind of in a shitty way is like, 
for months we've been talking about this guy as like the latest limb on the McVay coaching tree. Yet this offense is from, you know, 1974. Also, I mean, the, the making him the latest limb on the McVay coaching tree has always sort of worried me a little bit, although I've certainly contributed to it, but it worries me because it seems a lot like if, I don't know, if like I were to move into your house and then try to do your job. And everybody's like, well, he's a white guy and he's living in Jamie's house. Yeah. So clearly he can run breaking tea or whatever it is that you yeah. do. Like or, yeah, I, I, yeah, roughly the same age. Like, yeah, it's all the yeah. same. Sure. Why not? <laughs> the they look, you know, they're, they're not totally dissimilar <laughs> yeah. in appearance. And now there's one guy's living in the other guy's old house. So of course it works. Like, uh, so there's, there's a bit of that. Yes. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I think they're, I, I keep thinking they're going to, They've got to have something in mind for a splash coaching hire. Uh, like, I, I don't know what it would be. Like, Urban Meyer would seem to be the most likely option. But it, they've got to have something in mind because there's no way anything currently there. You can't sell it. You're not going to sell any tickets at all. Well, a couple weeks ago, I was, on the, I was on the line of thinking that I'm still rooting for the Redskins to win. I'd be happier with them going, like, 5-11 and 11 or 6-10 and 10 than to go 1-15 and 15 because at least then – there are parts of this roster worth keeping and there's some, some semblance of a foundation to build from, uh, you know, all, all of the positives that would come with them actually being like a 500 or better team down the stretch at this point now, though, that just seems foolish. That seems like a ridiculous thing <laughs> to, to even think like the, this team is in shambles. I, they're, you know, I, yeah. of course, at this point, I think, as hard as it is to root for your team to lose, you have to be just hoping for a top pick. Well, I mean, it's don't think of it as rooting for your team to lose. Think of it as rooting for Bruce Allen to lose, as rooting for Daniel Snyder to lose, as rooting for, you know, uh, you know, noted disciplinarian Adrian Peterson to lose. Like, there's certainly ways to think about it uh, that make it more palatable than that you're rooting for your team to lose. You're ultimately, and I think somebody, maybe it was Burgundy Block, somebody said this today on, on their podcast, but you, you may be rooting for your team to lose this Sunday, but it's because you are rooting for your team to win for the next eight years. Right. You and I, I mean, I get that logically. It's just hard to root for a loss because you might improve like your draft standing a few spots. Yeah. I don't find it hard to root against this team at all. I find it <laughs> well, remarkably easy to root against these people. Uh, one thing I saw, I don't know, maybe Kevin Sheehan or somebody was saying saying this, is like, oh, man, Peterson looks great. He he looks like he, he should be part of the picture next year, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I didn't realize there was anybody thinking about Peterson as part of the future. Oh, no, there is. And he's under contract for next year, too, I believe. I think oh, when they well, signed him this year, they signed him to That's on to, me. To that's on deal. me for not knowing that. Well, no, I, I didn't. I didn't think about it until I saw the same thing you saw, and I think again somebody on one of the po- other podcasts said that one of the other, I should say, better podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, one but, of the top uh, seventeen or eighteen podcasts. Yes, narrowly edging us out and mm-hmm. holding tight in nineteen. Um, I, I just, I, yeah, man, I, I can imagine them doing it, and it's horrible, and I hate it. Like, but here, I, but, I mean, I, I, on one hand, I'm like, how do you? include like a 35 year old running back in your future planning when you're a bottom five team on the other hand like what else they got they got guys and thompson who are both hurt every year and bryce love who thus far is hurt every year um and whoever else is out there i mean i i should point out that there are other players um okay beyond you know the roster. I, okay uh, apparently so i'm told 
that there are other ways to acquire players that sometimes other players are available. Well, um, the way, the way, the, the way the Redskins can bring new players in one of two ways, they can bring them in. Well, three, one of three ways. one through the draft two is off the scrap heap. And third is to make them the highest paid position player at all time of all time. Like at their position. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds about right. And so they like doing that. So maybe they'll just do that some more. I, I don't know. I did. Did you find, um, we talked about this a little last week, but that the Nationals actually going ahead and winning the whole damn thing uh, further increased your irritation with the Redskins. I don't know. I was more irritated. It was more, it added to the comedy, you know, because it was so much about like the Nats and the Caps kind of being brothers in this, and like the Mystics winning a title too. And people take shots at the Wizards, but they're still like kind of in the in the group with the other guys because they're in DC and nobody really has like an animosity towards the wizards. It's more like a just resigned to failure sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I kind of enjoyed that the Redskins are like left out. Yeah. I enjoyed that part of, but it just also, it just really reminded me like the, the reason we became Redskins fans as kids is because all kids are inherently somewhat bandwagon fans and all kids enjoy rooting for a winner and knowing that your team is champions. I've watched this with my kids. I'm sure you've watched this with yours with this nationals thing. And it it just has emphasized how far the Redskins are from that and how like stupid it is to try to get people to be fans of this garbage. Like you don't build a fan base with this. Um, It's just, it's, it's, it's unwatchable. Yeah. It's unwatchable. And I'm just so thankful that we've got like the caps and the Nats to enjoy You know, yes. like, like we've got that. So it, it not only alleviates the pressure on those teams to win, you know, like the Caps won after 10 years of like getting pretty close. And now, even though they didn't win it again, I still like enjoyed that season a lot more because the pressure wasn't there. And I anticipate that being the case with the Nats, you know, in 2020 and beyond is like, yeah, I want them to win it again, of course. But now it's going to be a lot more enjoyable and like you can accept it when they don't. Uh, maybe the effect as it pertains to the Redskins is like, it just does. It just like hurts less to not care. Yeah. I mean, that's the optimistic way to think about it. I, I, it leaves a more sour taste in my mouth, even as I care less. So it's almost the worst of both worlds for me. Um, let, let me ask you before we move off the Nats, uh, the Nats caps experience, all the Nats going to the caps game on Sunday was just so joyful just one of the more wonderful things I, I can remember you know seeing those dudes on the Zamboni with their shirts off as seeing them in the locker room with like you know Ovechkin taking a piggyback ride and Eaton doing the Oshi chug and all of it it was just fantastic yeah the picture of both teams together on the ice like the posed picture that they did um I think it was on the ice but it was it was both of them it was on the together ice. yeah it's my new like, desktop background yeah, I was going to say it's the first thing I've seen in probably two decades that I was like, yeah, I'd consider buying a poster of that and putting it up somewhere. You know, like th- that was awesome. I will say would... Soto holding the trophy is my new iPhone background and the caps and nats on the ice together is my new desktop background. And it brings both of them bring me joy every time. Did you see the um, the design someone did? I don't think it was one of your people that uh, where they replaced the loop in the Nats W with the. Um, championship trophy yeah, yeah, at the Oval. That's good. Of, that, that was that was a good piece of work. Yeah, we we I, we saw that. We can't do anything with it on both counts. We can't use the Nats logo. And we can't use the World Series trophy. But 
that yeah, somebody I figured, is like I whatever as much. fanatic should be doing that post haste. Yes, immediately. That was that was brilliant. Um, yeah, I have one more thing. Uh, I hit me. It's not Nats related. Uh, I don't know if this is already known, but yesterday I I saw I think via Craig Hoffman because there was a challenge or there was a play that should have been challenged but was not, and apparently. Bruce Allen is involved in the challenge process for the Redskins. I I knew he had been. I didn't know that he still was, but like I sure, can't remember how it was articulated. I think I think Craig Hoffman had this. It was like Bruce is in charge of the of the yeah, review the, challenge process with input from the coaches. Yeah, the 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 implication was that he is the ultimate decision maker on whether or not to challenge and when. Um, yeah. And again, I don't care. I do not care. But that is just another. Like, <laughs> what's the opposite of a feather in the cap? <laughs> well, I mean, but it's it's good because it's yet another area where he's failing yeah. visibly and publicly. And while I I will stick to my thing that like Bruce isn't the problem, Dan Snyder is the problem. Bruce is just uh, you know a manifestation of the problem. Yeah. Like, still, at least it may force some kind of change. It may get him out of there. And like. This team losing humiliatingly as he sits there and repeats that they're close. This team losing replay challenges as he sits behind the button. This team failing to challenge as he's the one making that call. Every one of these things, if you are someone who wants Bruce Allen gone, inches you just that much closer to it. They're on the bye this week, so I think you and I don't have to talk again uh, for two weeks, which I know is probably a relief to everybody involved.